The first question is the simple, what drew you to music? What was the first experience with music where you grabbed hold and knew you simple. wanted to let go? That's a simple question. Um, my parents, I mean, my parents were like the, I mean, they were young when they had me there. Like my mom was 21. I mean, but back then it was like, that was no, that's when you had kids. I can't mm -hmm. imagine having a child at the age of 21 nowadays. It'd be like, what? <laughs> babies having babies. Still, it was like, they were, yeah, they were young. Yeah, they just like, they had the best taste in music always. And there's always music on in the house. Um, rock music, mostly. Um, they're rock and roll peeps, definitely. Um, and I loved it. You know, we were, I mean, we even had music on during dinner. I don't even know, like, like even when we were sitting at the dinner table, there was music playing always. Like there was no quiet time in my house, like mm. never quiet. You know, it was always, always, and my parents were party animals. Like, I'm not gonna lie. They took a lot of drugs and they drank a lot. So there was always midweek parties at my house where I was woken up at four o'clock in the morning at two like, you know, Black Sabbath and, or, you know, God knows what, like Prince or whoever, it doesn't matter, you know, it's like there, that guy, <laughs> there, you know, or that guy over there, there he is, David, oh, sweet David. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, so they, that, uh, it was just a thing. And then like, when we were younger, when there was no such thing as these things, we had to use our imagination. So we would always put on concerts for our, like our families would get together and like always on the weekends cause our families are close and we put on concerts and um, yeah, sing our little hearts away and make music videos for them. So it was like, yeah, it's always been, uh, I've always been a, a performer of in my mind, I guess, I don't know. I've, I've just been always, I was always drawn to music. It was the, also the escapism too, because, you know, family life can also really, when you have 21 year old parents who take a lot of drugs and drink, um, there also comes problems with that. So, you know, headphones on and you go into your other world. So yeah, there you go. There's um, my answer. See, I got that one short. <laughs> um, you mentioned the singing and performing. Was there ever a period where you thought, you didn't want to be a DJ and you wanted to be like a oh, I never star. wanted to be a DJ. Are you oh. kidding me? This happened by accident. <laughs> this is like, this is, uh, this happened organically. This is not something I strive to be in my life as a DJ. I didn't like, I, I was the furthest thing from my mind. I moved to England and I was like, I want to work with rock bands. I want to be like an A&R person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to work with, with, with live bands. And I thought that that's what I would get into. But then of course, you know, I ended up working in a, in a bar that turned into a club, like at like 11, we, we were open late. So we'd have like all the DJs would come there. And I mean, before I moved to England, I like got into the electronic music scene, like in like 96 sort of stuff. So yeah, like the early mid, you know, well, mid, mid nineties rave techno, Detroit techno scene. Cause I grew up next to Detroit. So, and Windsor. And then, yeah, I met a few people who were, who are quite popular in the, the electronic music world who took me on a, uh, on a, on a trip to the dance music community in Detroit. And yeah, that opened my eyes to a whole other situation, but 
it may, it was a learning curve. It's not like, I want to do that for a living. And I was like, I didn't even know what it was. I'm, I was going to rock concerts. Like I wasn't, I was going more, mostly shoegazer stuff. Like I liked to, I liked the uh, psychedelic drugs when I was younger. So it was anything that was very trippy or like, you know, I also liked heavy stuff too. I mean, I mean, I liked everything. I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, snobby except for trance music. I hate trance music. <laughs> a passion, like a passion. I'll say that out loud and proud and I don't care who comes after me, but you know, not into it. Anyway, everything else I'm cool with, but yeah, I can't even remember what the question was. <laughs> oh, I mean, it was, I was just uh, curious. I mean, it was. Oh, it was, I wanted how I wanted to be. If that was how, why I wanted to become a DJ. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. That happened later, just by chance, by meeting, working, like because I opened up Fonica Records in London in like 2003. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me how that happened either. It's just like chances, all these weird, like you know, meetings of of moments of meeting of people that I guess you're supposed to meet in your life along the way that sort of pay just things just happen you know it's sort of kind of magic in that way I guess you know I didn't have there wasn't there wasn't anything there wasn't anything stopping me from doing it mm -hmm. I mean except for you know the fact that it, I mean I, I didn't know anything about it at all really it was like there wasn't very many women doing it at the time there was but they were like, that was more like hard house and trance music and stuff. There wasn't like so many house music DJs There obviously are, there were way before me, but you know, they weren't given the, the love and admiration that they should have gotten, you know? So, cause it was a man's world and it still is, but we're trying to change it day by day. Day by day. Um, yeah. If considering that DJing happened by accident, what is it that really made you want to stick with it and give yourself to it the way that you have? It was my, like, it was my first gig in Ibiza. I think it was like 2005 and I had my two best friends with me and we, I played and I was like terrified. I was just like, so, so nervous. I can't even tell you. And I mean, you know, I was like making, playing vinyl. Like I, I still didn't even really know how to DJ properly yet. Like, like I wasn't like, I had to learn in front of big crowds. Like it happened quick. Like I didn't really like, I mean, it started just, people just started to book me and I was like, oh, okay. And like, I still was working every day in the record store and then going away on the weekends to wherever Germany, Amsterdam. I mean, I was, this is like, and no, no tour manager, no, no, no iPhone, no nothing like to guide me. It was like I had a piece of paper and I had information on it, and I was like, okay, this is this is it. If I lose this, I'm screwed. Like I don't know when my flights are. I don't know what anything is anyway. But yeah, um, uh, I had a point to that story too. And I can't Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. My best friends and I beat this. See, I come back to it. This is how my brain works. It's, uh, I think it's like Asperger, uh, not Asperger, just sort of the, like ADHD. It's like my brain just goes in this hamster wheel that eventually comes back to what, what you're asking me. Um, and we were at the sort of the after party, which was like we were at, at the pool at the villa we were staying at. And they were just like, you have to 
you you need to do this like you sh- you have to do this they were like my proud mom and dad like my parents didn't give a shit about anything that they don't care what I was doing they didn't know what I was doing I moved away from the country I was like bye Canada and uh you know I moved to England and I just uh, yeah I took took their advice you know you know working in a record store and then meeting these people sort of happened organically I met the physical crew from Berlin and they just sort of like took me under their wing and then they 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 became very popular very quick Book of Shade and Mandy and those guys like back in the day and then they sort of just like scooped me up and took me on tour with them and exposed me to the life of a touring DJ with a bunch of dudes <laughs> which is interesting yeah because I am like one of the dudes so they treated me like one of the dudes but yeah you can't do that now <laughs> no but yeah and I was like wow this is awesome so yeah and also the fact that I could visit home like more often you know what I mean and so yeah it's also it just I got I just got the buzz from it I mean who doesn't get a buzz from that if you, if you don't get a buzz from like actually like conducting a whole night of people's fun you know it's like you're making you're you're the soundtrack to their their evening or their their night of fun or whatever you're the soundtrack and you gotta make you you know you have to play for them you know also for yourself but you have to make sure that they're that they're all smiling and happy like you don't want people standing there like you know thankfully thankfully that's never happened to me (laughs) the way you look if someone played trance music right huh whatever then people like trance and that's their thing i don't like it (laughs) that's cool it made a lot of people a lot of money back in the day you know it's come back unfortunately (laughs) into the music industry in another form i don't really know what it is it's like mixed with some other kind of music that i don't even know what what it is it's like it's it's a younger generation's trance music it's mm-hmm. not it's not for me it's got no soul there's no funk if there's no bass in it then forget it i'm out <laughs> yeah um backing up a little bit you know you talked about how you moved from canada to england i'm curious what the music scene was like in canada when you're growing up because i mean there isn't a lot of, you know, specific, it's not mentioned a ton in the history books per se, but, you know, a lot of really great artists. You mean Canada in general? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> People forget that that whole country exists most of the time. They're like, where are you from in America? I'm like, I'm not from America. They'll name every other country in the world except for Canada. I'm like, I'm from Canada, you know, <laughs> that giant place attached to America. So, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, but it's, I was saying like, you know, great artists have come from Canada, you know, yourself yeah. included with like Dead Mouse and Zed Zed and things like that. So I'm just wondering, what was the music scene Ricky like? Houghton, Tiga, Matthew Johnson. Oh my God. Mark Wool, I can name you a bunch, a whole bunch, you mm-hmm. know, just, just quite a few. So just in Ontario, you yeah. know, that's my, my province. But um, yeah, um, I grew up next to Detroit on the border, so that's different. I I I was I was lucky. I mm. I I was a lucky lady, and I was very close to Chicago as well. So, I I wasn't in the like boondocks in Canada where you're listening to Shania Twain or like you know, like that. So I, I don't even know. Yeah, like Canadian music doesn't have a good reputation at all. Mm. Like you know, it like 
any, I mean, it does just, it's just weird. It's weird. I don't know. But people, people listen to classic rock. Like you can go anywhere in Canada and you can walk into a, a bar or a cafe and you will hear Led Zeppelin. You will hear, <laughs> you'll hear all that stuff. It's just be like, it's just classic rock all the time. Like there's, or really horrible, like dross like that, you know, I don't even really, it's nondescript like dance music, if that's what you want to call it. I don't know, but yeah. It's, uh, I mean, like there's only a few places you can really play in, in Canada. There's like Montreal has a small scene. Toronto has an even smaller scene and Vancouver has an even smaller scene than that. And that's it. Windsor, my hometown has a like a minuscule, I mean, they, they try, but they can't really compete because Detroit's like 10 minutes in a, in a car across the border. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's where uh, I was educated. Thanks to thanks to Richie Houghton. We'll thank, thank we'll thank we'll thank Rich for that. So I, I met him, and that's sort of how it sort of uh, evolved from from that meeting of minds. Yeah. When did you meet him? I was a bartender, and he came in. He was making consumed album, I think. So yeah, and he I think that's when he was making it. Which album he was making in a studio. Um, when he wasn't traveling, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know anything about that sort of thing. And yeah, we just sort of yeah, became friends through a friend. And yeah, it, that was that. It was very simple. You know, back those days, it's, it's a lot more simpler than it is now. Yeah. To be honest, he asked me out on a date. So there you go. <laughs> I, I always make always make fun of that. It's like, yeah, we went on a date. And I was like, this guy's such a geek. I was like, no way. Uh, I just like he knew nothing about like he only listened to uh, like electronic music or like industrial stuff. Like he mm -hmm. didn't know any, he knew nothing about my world and I knew nothing about his world. And then we knew, then we eventually, you know, I moved away mm -hmm. and he became the, the still the superstar that he it is was still is you know yeah he's always like 10 steps ahead of everybody else and when it comes to technology mm -hmm. so yeah and then he moved to berlin and yeah and then we're, like, we're still friends to this day it's cool yeah very cool yeah um wanted to ask you about the the jackathon parties a little bit and before we talk about the actual party parties something um, i'm actually interested is uh what do you actually think it means for a track to be like like jacking because you know in this day and age that there are these terms and genres and subgenres and they get thrown around so much that like nobody actually knows what they mean anymore no <laughs> oh so, totally totally so considering you have this uh you know connection and reputation and respect within that realm i'm just curious what you what do you think it means for a track cool. to be like have jacking baseline or jacking house that kind of thing it stemmed from the the word stemmed i don't know if you know the history of why the word jacking became jacking it was like a dance move that people were doing on the dance floor in mm. chicago to certain records like um, that were on tracks records like you know jack your body move your body all that stuff like people were just doing this dance move and they were like and they're just they came up with the word jet like that oh you jacking you know what i mean like that's a chicago, that's a chicago thing it's like you, you know you jack you jacking up on and it was like yeah it was very uh a primal it was a primal dance move that was usually between a man and a woman you know what i mean so mm -hmm. and then 
that translated into the records and then they labeled it jacking house or jacking techno can be both um it has to have for me personally it has to just it has to make if my face does this like <laughs> that face <laughs> i know that it's like that's the track that's a, like a jack it's just like anything that makes you like sort of it's like pelvic thrusting slightly just like you want to you want to get a little bit lower to the ground mm. <laughs> and you just want to jack your body it's kind of hard to explain just like get down and dirty you know what I mean like when your face is all scrunched up you see me if I'm playing sometimes and I'm just like mm, I'm just like that is a jam like that's a jam so yeah that's where that's that's my <laughs> that's my that's my uh description of well, what a jacking house record is for me that's awesome because it got you got the history of it a little bit and then also your your personal interpretation which is yeah. all like all i could have asked for and so i mean i, I mean, could get up and dance for you i'm not gonna do that because <laughs> i'm wearing something totally different from the waist down right now that i'm from the waist up this is all fake oh yeah, totally <laughs> no 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 from the bottom, I bet you're wearing your underwear right now. And I'm just like, <laughs> There's like one thing on top of that, you know, like one thing. I know. <laughs> um, and so when you're throwing these jackathon parties, you know, just the way that word exists, jackathon, you know, like that came from also from a party that I played in Berlin. This was like a long time ago, like late 2000s. And, um, before I think I started the parties in 2009 yeah or yeah 2009 and like I'd already started on the radio on BBC Radio One and stuff and I was like you know what I kind of want to like like break not break free from get physical but I want to like I want to move away and I want people because I don't play music like them they were playing very different music to what I was playing and I wanted to kind of make my own my own way and be like this this is what I play and this is you know like I'm not a warm-up DJ, you know what I mean? Like I go in, like, you know what I mean? It's like, there's, I can be a warm-up DJ, but you know, I don't want, I prefer to do, to go in a little bit tougher. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I, uh, I just thought, you know, this is the perfect time for me to do it. You know, I kind of have a really nice following from the radio station and I have this like, you know, I have these people who, I started to get a nice spot. Let's just say I started to get a nice following of people. And uh, I did this party and I played for eight hours. <laughs> like, and then this, so my cancer is like, that was like a, like a marathon, but he's like, that was like a ja jackathon. I was like a jackathon, like marathon. You know what I mean? I just like took him to town for eight hours. I was like relentless. I did not let up. There was like, I was just like, we are doing this. I don't know. Like, and this is like, drug free okay you know what I mean like I just was like let's let's have it vinyl only some of her like just like there's just, just just like records out of their sleeves everywhere it was just it was chaos it was um good chaos it was my agent at the time it's her birthday so yeah oh very cool yeah, and it was um that's where that's where the name stemmed from mm -hmm. and that stuck <laughs> <laughs> and it stuck for life and I've been I've been I've been in the in the in the pigeonhole of being a jacking house DJ since then so yeah but and it's not a bad thing okay you know? yeah that was gonna be my next <laughs> question is that something you're trying to break away from in any no, no 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 I play yeah. what I play I always yeah. play what I play I don't play disco it's the only thing I don't really play I mean 
I don't know enough about it and I don't feel like there's a lot, so many people playing it now. I don't need to play it. I mean, you know what I mean? And um, my parents didn't listen to disco. Therefore, I feel like, you know, I don't, there's a lot, I feel like there's so much more history you need to know about disco. Like the disco heads are real disco heads. Like mm -hmm. they, I mean, the ones that used to come to my, into my record store were like serious people. They were like, and they'd ask me for a record and I'd be like, we don't have it yet. And I'm like, it's coming. They'll be like, well, I've got the white label promo from like 1972. And I'm just like, okay. Like, we don't have that. I'm like, we don't have that one. And I'm glad you have it. I'm like, for you. I don't know why you just asked me for it, but I'm, you just wanted to give me that information that you have it. I was like, great. Like, thanks very much for that. I was like, I'm moving along. Can I help you something else? I don't know. Right. I always make fun of it because it's funny because they do take they, they take it very seriously and it's not serious like it's just not <laughs> it's I mean not it is serious it was a serious scene it is but um it just um it skipped over me you know I don't know I mean it seems like you know I mean you you look into like the history of music in that era of like the 70s and you know there was the the disco burning record the rockheads were burning all the Disco that would have been me probably. I probably would. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I do. Uh, I do. I like disco when people, when the right people play it. You know what I mean? There's bad disco, and then there's really good disco. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? For me, there's no in between. Like, there's you know, I can listen to Derek Carter play disco forever. I can listen to art or artwork play disco. You know, or Harvey or like somebody. You know what I mean? Like people who really know how to play. It. There's so many. Also some younger generation kids who come up who are like killer disco DJs, you know? And like, it's become huge at like festivals over here and like everywhere. It's like, it's all you hear now. I mean, for now. Mm -hmm. For now. For now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's interesting cause just with that whole rock versus disco thing, it's like both of those cultures were so utterly passionate about it, you know? And I know, it's so stupid. I can't believe they like, <laughs> really you're gonna burn records like come on <laughs> like what is this like the hitler days like you go burn, go burn a bunch of books let's burn some records it's like so stupid like, like honestly it's like just you know you like what you I, I, like real pa passionate like serious passion there i mean i don't know i find that whole that whole part of history just so bizarre i can't get my head around it i would never i'd never burn like i mean even though i hate trance music i wouldn't burn the records in the street you know what i mean i wouldn't start are you actually it wasn't in a stadium it was in a stadium wasn't it, it was i think i've seen stadium. something like that for sure yeah anyway yeah enough, <laughs> I mean, enough about disco yeah <laughs> let's move on to something that matters um <laughs> just to keep things on records in general though you know you already mentioned that you started Fonica, and i mean when i first went to london like back in 2015 I was talking to some locals about where to buy stuff and you know that's the first name that they come up that's the that's the shop you got to go to and so I'm just curious you know how did that how did it come about that you would open that shop and you know like how are you still involved with it we we worked with uh I worked with two other guys out of the shop before that called Kubla Simon mm -hmm. Reagan Tom Merlin Tom Merlin who's unfortunately no longer with us we lost him um yeah during uh, covid and uh we opened we basically were approached by these people who also 
our friends worked for them. Like they're like these super rich dudes, right? Who had all, who are property developers and they just wanted to put their money into cool places and things and stuff. And they were like, they're just like literally like handing out stuff like, hey, you know, oh my God, your eyes look really weird right now. You look like you look like you got a glare on your computer. It's like, it looks like you've got these like <laughs> two white squares on your eyes. Anyway, um, yeah, and these uh, Mark and Tim, these wonderful men, they um, fronted us. Like, I think it was an old car dealership thing because, like, the whole front of if you saw it, the whole front of the shop like slides open, and you can actually drive a car in there if you wanted to. Like, the it's a big it's a big store. It was a very big store, and uh, yeah, we got asked. We got asked to to run it and Simon Simon was the man you know and like I I was the you know so was Tom Tom we were all buyers in different 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 genres of music uh Simon was the main he was the main guy he still is the main guy he still works there still runs it um uh I had to opt I had to peace out in 2007 that's when I truly decided to jump ship and become a full fully fledged traveling dj because i couldn't do both and i had to like jump in with two feet and like just hope for the best <laughs> they would have let me back in fonica if i if i failed <laughs> but still i was like either i try this and uh i make a go of it or i could regret not doing this and see somebody else do it so yeah and that's what happened with fonica and like yeah it's still there it's still thriving I mean, there was a dip, obviously, for a while during like the recession, and then, uh, yeah, people, people, kids are like loving vinyl again. Like they just are eating it up like crazy, because certain releases are only released on vinyl now. Like people are being clever, you know. They're like, I'm only gonna release this really awesome, like four people like Fortet and like you know awesome like you know like Floating Points and those guys. They're like, oh, if you want my record, you can only get it on this thing which is vinyl. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's cool. I'm so happy that it's still open. I, I have nothing to do with it anymore, but yes, I did open it and I did work there and run that shit for a, quite a long time. I was the woman behind the counter that probably not a lot of people liked, but I mean, they, a lot of people did like, but if you gave me any, any, any back talk or tried to like demean me in any way, you were dead to me within a second. So yeah. I mean, I was, I could be pretty vicious, but I think I got told the other day that I was, I was really vicious to somebody. It was funny. It was somebody who's like really huge in the music industry now. And they're like, you were so mean to me when I came into the store. I was like, I was having a bad day probably. And you were probably rude. So there you go. You probably questioned my authority in here. So. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was the, the assistant manager. Okay. I knew the answers to the questions <laughs> you were asking me. That was the problem. People would come up and ask me a question and then um and then uh basically they uh would uh go two seconds and ask like one of the guys that was working behind the counter the same question and i was like i'm like did you just ask them the same question you just asked me i called them out every time and i was like and then they would go then they turned to me the the guys that we worked with they go um heidi um, when and I just would love it. I we just would just terrorize them, you know. I'd be like, yeah, you you messed with the wrong person. Sorry. <laughs> that record is coming out on the date that I told you it's coming out on. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Um, do you still go back there to buy records for yourself? 
I don't No, mm. I go there to say hi and I pop my head in and whatever. Unfortunately, um, I, there's a very long, dark, sad story about my vinyl collection. It is no longer with me. So um, yeah, a lot, all my years of collecting and owning records are over. Um, it's a sad state of affairs, but I still have a love for just even holding a copy of a, of a record. I have some here, but just a few, just like, just a touch. <laughs> is that is that a sensitive topic you'd want to talk a little bit about? No, or, no, 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 I can't okay. go down that road. Okay. I'm, no, it's, 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 it's a, yeah, if I ever see these people again, let me just tell you, they won't have uh, a head. <laughs> yeah. well, from what i can piece together i would sounds like they shouldn't have a head in the first place they don't deserve their head so <laughs> off with their heads off, off with their heads <laughs> oh, with absolutely their heads. um so i read you got your start at bbc in 2008 is that correct yep. and yep. then you ended your time there in 2016 right yep Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just curious the day, the day Trump was elected actually oh. was my last was my last day there yeah <laughs> maybe could have stayed on a little longer to fight the good fight yeah they sure. should have told me the <laughs> a different day you know what I mean <laughs> they picked the wrong day it was a shame really I was like oh that's a shame like, today of all days really okay no um, but I'm just curious you know like what was kind of like could you tell me a bit about your you know, process of growth across those eight years, like what slot you started on, how you kind of moved up through the ranks, that kind of thing. It was, it was called in new DJs we trust. And it was on, I think 12 midnight till two on Thursday nights, I think if Mm -hmm. I can remember correctly. And I was chosen amongst three other people and I did once a month. And I, yeah, I don't even know what, I mean, I just moved to Berlin as well. Like just, I was like, I just split up with my boyfriend and I was like, okay, I'm free. I can go wherever I want. I'm going to go where all my friends are living and all my, my agents there. And so I was like, I want to move to Berlin. And then I got the call saying, I got the show on radio one. I was like, damn it. It's like, so yeah, I came back every month to do the, to do the show and, um, and uh, brought forth very underground music to quite a large audience, um, people that have, you know, who are now massive, massive DJs. Yeah, so it was, uh, I interviewed them. I had them do remix, do mixes. Um, I played music that I found in either the record store, you know what I mean? I just put together my own show. I learned how kind of, as I went along, I had different like producers. They all tried to like some some of them tried to make me sound different. They were like, you need to speak with a different voice. I'm like, but this is my voice. Like, this is how I sound. I'm not gonna be like, welcome to Radio One. Like, I'm not like, you know, they they kind of wanted, they I think they thought that I they were gonna be able to mold me into some sort of weird robot voice. And I was like, I have a North American accent. This is how I sound, and this this is the way I speak. And it, they and then it actually ended up working in my favor because people loved it so mm-hmm. and all the interviews I had like everybody I've ever had on I knew personally um and um I've had oh god I can't the list is is unbelievable if I look back on it now all the people that I had on the radio whoever who were on the radio for the very first time in their life you know and like just breaking into the music scene 
like it's it's wild you know it's pretty amazing to, to be able to, to to have been able to do that for them as well like i always liked it but that's what also the jackathon parties were about as well we're pushing it was never about me it was always more about like everybody else i always wanted to like push i was always like a music pusher i mean that's sort of what i i did when i was younger i used to make mixtapes for people i used to always like i was always on the like you know getting the the imports from england like i was a proper like like indie i loved you know it had to be stuff that nobody knew i was the one that people always came to for good music even when i was a teenager so yeah that was like kind of just i guess maybe it was so it was, it was in the it was written in the stars I was supposed <laughs> to as a job but yeah um and so you mentioned that first show you started on like it was in new djs we trust is that yeah and then that, it went to then it went then it became the residency and then okay. that moved to 10 till 12 on thursday nights which is better because mm -hmm. it was like more people were obviously awake and they listened to it and then and then I was only supposed to be on for six months and I was on for nine years. So I was the longest, I'm the longest resident on Radio One. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Always, I, always sorry, go that, ahead. I was just gonna say always in that same slot, the Thursday 10 to 12. Yeah, yeah, it, there, it's still still going residency. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. still, it's still on now. Yeah, it's gonna be, yeah, they're doing a 10 year anniversary. Is it 10, 10 years? No, something of the residency, not of in new, in new DJs. We was lasted for quite a few years and they changed it to the residency. I, I can't, I think it's when they, yeah, they changed all the Friday, Friday night time slot. Everything sort of, they did, they had a big shuffle. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I filled in for Pete Tong quite a few times, which was amazing. And, you know, the Marianne Hobbs and yeah, when she was on radio one and, um, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. It was so awesome. It's great. It was especially doing them live, like doing like the live shows, like were mm -hmm. the best for me because it's like you're so hyped up because like if you make a mistake, it's like it's out there, like it's there. Most of them were live, but yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I used to make mistakes when I did them, like when I would pre-record them, because I just yeah, when they're when you're like the energy, you're like oh my god, I'm speaking to nobody in this room but i'm speaking to millions of people right now it's like really like your brain is like yeah hyper and people in the audience no matter what the form is appreciate that humanity element to it for sure yeah oh yeah oh my god i is always giggles lots of laughter on my show i was never it was never nerdy questions like i never asked like the artist any technical stupid <laughs> like nerd questions like if they want to go they can go read one of those nerdy magazines if they want i'm like let's just like keep it fun you know and mm -hmm. you know like i always used to ask them you know if they could describe their music as an animal what animal mm -hmm. would it be or a color or a texture or like you know or just silly things like if they could go back into into time what time would they want to go back to and like i get some really i just always always got great answers out of the people keep that note for yourself for, you know, for the, uh, your next interview. <laughs> I mean, those questions, that's, that's the kind of questions that are in that like speed round thing. Oh, okay. So, good. So yeah. So may, that, that might've been a better way to describe them off top. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you mentioned a couple names of, from the BBC family, like uh, Pete Tong and Marianne Hobbs, you know, Annie. I, mean, I, Pete, I, Annie I Mac. yeah, I, I mean, I listened to BBC radio one, all the time because I used to 
drive for Uber and I'd be sitting in the car for like seven, eight hours a day. And American radio is not so great. And so I would listen to British radio, you know, and I listened to Annie was my favorite, but I'd also listen to Marion Hobbs. I listened to you quite a few times. Beach oh, nice. Rates, Nick Grimshaw, Mr. Jam, so many of them. And I'm just wondering, they're, like, they're all gone now. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, so I'm just wondering. The new, like, what, the new, it's a new era, you know? Yeah. All, I mean, we've all, we've all been kicked to the curb. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. We were all like, everybody grows and has to do other things. So yeah, I mean, it's sad. It was sad. I was like when Annie was leaving, which was obviously last year and, um, and, Grim, and Grimmy as well. Then he announced it like literally like the month later, I was like, what? Like, no, you two can't leave. You're the, you two are the best. Like, they're the best they're the funniest and they're the most honest and they're just so much fun to listen to you know it's like people who are real they're not putting it on you know that that's not a fake radio voice you know that the jokes that they're making are like actually real jokes <laughs> and they, you know they're just and they're natural they're just natural people you know but now they've moved on to like annie's written books a book and she's on tv and grimmy's on tv now stuff and he's become an interior designer and you know and I'm still a DJ. <laughs> um, what was it like just to be at Radio One in that era, though? You know, because you guys would—I mean, you guys would play those BBC One, Radio One days in Ibiza when it would just be all of you playing on the same stage together. And I know you're about to play Annie's Festival in Malta and stuff. So it's like it seemed like such a strong family and you know just the way you described it right now makes that more clear and so you know just like what was it like at the station in those well was, you know it was weird because when I used to do the show I'd go in there and everybody was at, was at home it was only the security guard at the front door like the building's empty everybody like the normal like the new BBC but the old BBC building was like a shithole it was like I can't believe like the people that the, the famous people they brought in there to interview was like unbelievable I met like I saw the Beastie Boys in there like I remember being interviewed by Zane Lowe and like it was just like you know like the Kardashians like, like Beyonce and like I mean it was it was crazy I'd be like why are there all these people outside of this building and then you go inside and you realize oh my god they're interviewing like Beyonce <laughs> and it was like oh no big deal and uh and then, but then, then then when they moved to the big huge brand new bbc building it was like really different because then it had all of the it had bbc news and it was like bbc asia bbc like every floor radio one was on the top of course and uh yeah the, the, the it was empty all the desks were empty so there's nobody in there except for you your producer and the, the pa and that's it and maybe your guest and 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 yeah so it was it's very very strange being in that building doing the show at that time because there's nobody was in there mm. it's really really weird it's eerie you're like okay it's fun you can uh, get away with, you could get get away with a lot more when there's nobody in there <laughs> so so would you get to know the other djs just kind of by like partying and like DJing yeah yeah kind of yeah yeah of course well I used to do with the other my show was after Grimmy show mm -hmm. like the first the first show so that's how I, I got to know him because I used to go in to talk to him on his show and then big up my show mm -hmm. crossover and then like yeah Annie I just knew from like everywhere like we knew each other from just the party like the 
just the scene because she was also a DJ as well. And um, she used to shop in, in the record store, one of the few females at the time and got to know her through there. And then, yeah, Pete, Pete was always, he's quite quiet. He's a quiet man, very, very, you know, you know, so when you meet him, he's, um, he, it's very different. His radio persona is so different from his personal persona. He's a, he's a, like, he's a total ledge. You know what I mean? He's like a total legend. You're like this guy like started pretty much dance music in, in England, like one of them anyway, and has gone on to do so many things. And yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, sh he's shy. He's a, he's a shy guy, but he's really sweet and lovely. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, and he oh, and he did his parties, and he always invite me to come and play, and like you know, they always like we all like sort of bigged each other up, you know what I mean? There was lots of um, there was never any like animosity, you know. It's yeah. cool because we each did our own thing, and then it started to get a little samey. <clears throat> Musical, everybody started to pick up on, you know, what was popular on the underground scene and then the underground became it wasn't so underground anymore it was more yeah it became more above ground but, but still underground if that makes any sense yeah for sure i don't know yeah cool i mean it's it's so it's always interesting to hear about that kind of stuff from the outside you know because i feel like there's always this impression like y'all live in one big house together <laughs> <laughs> no. you're all you're all besties forever and ever but i mean that might be well, true we're definitely definitely friends all of yeah. us are definitely <laughs> friends for sure for sure for sure it's not like i'd pass you know pete on the street and be like <laughs> i go i'd run up and give him a big uncomfortable hug because i'm sure he's one of those people you know he's like Ugh. yeah but Thank yeah you. annie's like a like a big warm big warm teddy bear and same with Grimmy. You know what I mean? Like they're just, yeah, they're great. They're great people. And Mr. Jam as well. I mean, like there's a few people like I, I never, never got to meet obviously just because timings were different and, and off, but yeah, I mean, those are the people I knew the most out of, out of the whole team. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And Danny uh, Howard as well. Let's not forget it. Cause Danny, Danny took over, Danny took over, um, yeah so when yeah but it, it all changed up so danny howard's like also like now huge on friday night slot so he's cool too we like him awesome um shifting gears a little bit uh i read uh in a previous interview that purple rain is your favorite album and you got the man himself over your shoulder and i mean we recently passed the anniversary of his passing Sixth Six years, yeah. Six years, yeah. And I'm, mm -hmm. I remember that because I was going to Coachella in 2016 and I went the second weekend and he passed between the two weekends. And it was just so insane that like literally every single artist did some kind of tribute, at least that I watched did some kind of tribute to him, whether it was one of the DJs like playing one of his tracks, like Dubfire did his live like technical set and he had like this image of the, the symbol like floating out of the screen yeah. and stuff like that so you know i mean clearly you know his influence is historical you can't, and... you can't even see the rest of my house it's like a <laughs> mausoleum i swear to god i've got, um, got the actual platinum purple rain discs uh, um like for real 
like oh, wow. an actual yeah with my name engraved with the hologram like a whole thing like my friend a friend of mine worked for the label and she got it made for me and I was just like I opened it up and I almost died I was just <laughs> like oh my goodness I've got quite a lot of live like live shots of him as well on my wall I have like a whole wall of like music wall on the like everything I'm, PJ Harvey's there you can't see her she's there Nick Cave's right there mm. there's like yeah there's a bunch of people it's um he's uh, I've got like tattoos on my body yeah, like, <laughs> and yeah. so you know given this you know very profound connection you have with him and since we're talking before a dance music publication wondering what influence do you think he had on dance music specifically so much Oh my God, actually, the disco scene, we'll have to say that, definitely. Um, the funk scene, for sure. I mean, he was like an, anonym, an, an anomaly, anomaly, you know what I mean? Like he, 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 there was nobody like him before, you know, during or after, you know, there still has me. It's like, you can't, he was so, and it also came at a time, like the androgyny of, of who he was, like, performing the way the way that he looked the way that he dressed and the fact that he he sang and like that picture there mm -hmm. is his first ever photo shoot which is a real picture which is the first thing, time I ever spent any money on anything <laughs> in my life <laughs> and I got that in LA actually in on uh, at a at a actually a lot of the places it's called Mr. Musichead Gallery on Sunset it's amazing all signed by the by the um photographer anyway he's 17 in that picture and when he wow. died he was looking that was his vibe too he had the fro the fro came back do you remember when he yeah and because i was supposed to see him do the piano and a microphone tour and like yeah and he, he passed away i was like yeah i, I was like i was inconsolable like you, you couldn't you, i couldn't i felt like some like i felt like some like like one of my family members died i don't know mm -hmm. it was and then I had to go on the air and speak to Annie. Like literally, Annie's like, "Can you can you come on Radio One and talk about Prince?" And I was like, "What?" Like, and, pick, and pick like one of your favorite Prince tracks. And I was like, "What?" Like she was like, "Yeah." And I like had to go on the radio and like talk to her and like and try not to break. Like I was like, you could hear my voice, and just as I was about to like just lose it, she would she change the subject like right away. And I was like, okay. like she like snapped me out of me, uh, me losing my mind on live on radio one. So I was, um, yeah, that was nice of her to do that. That's a pro right there. She was a pro. Oh man, she got me. I was like, I, <laughs> I didn't, I just didn't want to believe it. It was like, whatever. But yeah, I mean, we could talk about, I could talk about Prince till the cows come home, but um, it was like, the music was just so different. It was um, also the fact that he played every instrument and his voice was so like, I mean, it's Prince. Like you, you who else sounds like Prince? Nobody, mm -hmm. you know? So you can try. People have, people have come close, but you know, um, there's only one Prince. I mean, and his name was Prince for crying out loud. I mean, he called himself Prince. There you go. He <laughs> thought very highly of himself, obviously. <laughs> Um, so. were his records often played in the house when you were growing up by your parents oh my god when my aunt 
who god bless her well i'm I'm not even religious but bless her little cosmos and the stars somewhere she her and my mom would get we go on holiday up north in the woods in canada they get absolutely smashed and boom prince would come out and they would dress up as him and like i mean it would get it would get raucous as like it was like full-on party party mode prince prince party all the time and i it actually I, I do it with my best friend Catherine. We do it all. We still do it all the time. Like even at her like her hen weekend, it was like, <laughs> like which was a long time ago. But still, it's like we pretty much alienated everybody else that was there. It was just like because he's our thing, and yeah, start to finish. Like you put on purple rain, you do not touch. The, don't touch <laughs> it. It goes from the beginning to the very end, and at the end, we're usually bawling our eyes out. Well, we were now, you know. I cracked my head open. I like, like basically, I was swinging from a door frame and like slipped. My hand slipped, and like, yeah, I will end up with a concussion. Like, ladder. <laughs> yes, Prince is that's uh, it's my go-to usually. There's that's I want to like get in a good mood, or if I also want to like have a good cry because some of the songs are just so deeply moving, you know. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't listen to a piano and microphone when it came out for ages, and then I put it on and I just bawled, <laughs> like bawled my eyes out. It was just like, <laughs> like yeah, it's it's um it's a sad one. Come on, give me give me a happy question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I got I do got one written down that's pretty happy. Um, you know, not too long ago you wrote in an Instagram post about this show like brunch in barcelona and you said oh that was a couple sundays ago yeah yeah and you said that was quote the first time in ages where you felt like you were supposed to be yeah so i'm like one i'm wondering what was it about that gig that was so special and what made it what made you kind of have that feeling again you know well first of all it's like it's a pretty legendary party i mean I mean, it's awesome. I did it before uh, lockdown, and I always, I always wanted to play it because it was like it's one you're like you're like you know you want to play brunch. It's like the it's like playing movement. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like something like that. Like or Coachella if you if that's your thing. You know what I mean? It's like if you get to play it like certain shows like they're it's pretty fun, and it's like the vibe. I mean, it's outside. It's in the most beautiful location, and like Barcelona is one of my favorite cities the day before there was a hailstorm, like an actual huge hailstorm. And it was so funny. Somebody wrote sometimes it snows in April and it was like, that's a Prince. So I was just like another Prince reference. It always snows in April, weirdly, just creepy. And, uh, <laughs> and um, I was like, oh my God, the weather is like, what if like, you know, but then they moved it. They had it under this like co- cover, but it was see-through, but it, and it was like, it was, the weather was, couldn't be more perfect. And it was absolutely just heaving with people. And the energy was like, I could just feel the energy from the people. There wasn't like, people were on their phones. Nobody was wearing a tracksuit. No offense to all the millions of children out there who would like to wear tracksuits to the gigs and stuff. But like, you know, it was like, sorry, I'm totally alienating like half my fan base right now. I just I'm just joking um and it's it was just it's just a different vibe like in Latin America any any like Spanish-speaking countries I play in it's like the always for me they're my favorite gigs they're just like 
they have there's like a fire in their belly i don't know what it is there's something about about um yeah latin latin america or spain you know it's just like yeah it's just it's great they give it they give i mean the brit the brits give it too just as hard you know they're just a slightly messier version of the spanish (laughs) which you know i love like bless those brits i'm telling you i wouldn't be where i'm sitting today if it wasn't for for the british public i'll tell you who embraced me wholeheartedly but um yeah that, that gig was like it was just epic I, I i was just like i i also i was like on like two hours sleep like i was i had flown from somewhere really i had yeah long journey got there couldn't go to the hotel i had to go straight to the to the show so that's like that's actually kind of helps so you're not sitting there waiting around you just like you go straight into the belly of the beast and i walked mm. in there and i was like whoa and playing with luciano who i hadn't seen him in such a long time and you know, it was so nice to to reconnect with him. And like he had just had an operation. He turned up with like crutches and, oh, and wow. like and then just like put the crutches down and just like tore the place apart. I was like, okay. Right. <laughs> it was like, it was just awesome. It was just, and it's it's so nice playing in the daytime and the sun and the warm and the heat. And you can just like, oh, it's just like and in Barcelona, and it's like all these beautiful buildings around you, and everybody's like, yes, and like you're all chanting, and like everybody's just like. It's, you know, like huge smiles, like it just mm-hmm. everybody, it was in a good place. And like, as you could tell, like Spain were, was locked down longer than we were. They kind of are just coming out of having all of the, all having to deal with all the shit to get, go into a party, you know, like the testing and the, the masks, like they, they were having to wear masks in parties. Mm-hmm. So like, this is different. It's like 5,000, 6,000 people. So like a lot of people. And, um, yeah, you could just feel the energy of like this. Like this just like it was like freedom. Like everybody was just like yes. I could feel I could feel it too, and I just I needed it. I needed it badly. I had a pretty crappy. Everybody had a everybody had a crappy couple of years, but yeah, uh, I you know it was just it felt so good to to be back in Barcelona. You know, I love that place. I love it. Love it. So yeah, that was I felt like this is, this is where I should be right now. It was like that moment where I was like, yes, okay, this feels good. This feels great. Yeah. Awesome. Where's the tequila? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's awesome to hear. I'm very glad you had that experience. And I mean, I remember when things looked like, you know, when they felt like they were going to actually open up on a kind of consistent basis. I remember saying to a lot of people, it's like, it's our responsibility as both party goers and people who contribute to parties in, in whichever way to cherish this time because you know eventually it's going to go back to like normal which is going to be great but right now it's it's in a special kind oh, of it is release period yeah i feel i i feel so like i mean obviously everybody everybody was burned out too like i mean a lot of the djs who were like i mean my myself included i was on not as non-stop like just non-stop on the road i've been on the road for 18 years like non-stop just like and then like when the when you're not like you then i was like i was completely lost i i admit it like i didn't i didn't know what to to do i was like what, what, what's, what am I, what the, what do I do? I like all I've ever done in my whole life was music, mm-hmm. you know? And um, yeah, 
without getting too deep into it, it's like everybody had their own ways of dealing with it. You know, I, I did not deal with it well at all. And uh, yeah, I just felt, I, I, I cried like the second track in, I literally was like, I tears came down my eyes. I was like, I, I like got hit with this like emotion of like, this is, this is, feels so good, you know? So yeah. I'll start crying again. Don't do that to me. Don't make me cry again. So let's no. talk about Prince some more. <laughs> You're killing me, dude. You're killing me. Um, no, we can save the Prince conversation for another. When I when I'm writing a piece. Oh no, I can talk about Prince till the cows come home. It's like you know, it's not like it didn't happen just yesterday. So it's like you know, it's still whatever. We'll talk. We'll keep keep going. <laughs> I mean, I just had the one question before we dive into the speed round, which is, you the know, speed round. <laughs> now, that the hot round speed round. <laughs> now that we are talking about, you know, things opening up again and things looking a bit brighter in their own new and special way. What do you have like next? What's next on the agenda for DJ Heidi? Well, I've got, I am going to, uh, so the Jackathon, I did have to put to rest for a little while, um, uh, which was needed. Um, you know, all good things come to an end sometimes. I just felt I, I was, I, I was personally burned out. Like I, I, I was, I was doing too much, too, too much. I, my life was like, I, I was like, it was like slipping through my fingers. I was like, uh, my God, I'm like, I just was, was traveling too much and I, just doing, I trying to do everything. I was micromanaging everything within an inch of its life. You know, I wasn't, even though I had people trying to help me, I would just like, it was too much. It was, became too much. It was awesome. But, um, and then also, you know, things did change in the music world. Like DJ started asking for like 25,000 pounds to play. And I was like, <laughs> but like last year you only charged 2000 pounds. <laughs> like, okay. I just, I, I got a little fed up, you know, I was just like, and then everybody, and then everybody started their own party. Like every single DJ was like, oh, they're all doing, they all, they are all doing what I tried to get away from doing, which was like label parties. Like everybody started to like, that, that all started again. It like started again, like, and then you couldn't, you couldn't book these DJs because they will only play for their own party. And it like got too, it was too political. It was all like, just a bunch of, bunch of horse shit and I was like whatever so I just thought you know let's just put it to bed for a little while I'll just keep doing my thing I needed it from my mental state and from my relationship you know what I mean like having a relationship and traveling uh, as a as a woman is a uh, you know is is difficult <laughs> when you're not around very much um and I just wanted to focus on some other things and now I'm going to relaunch. It's not going to be called the Jackathon though. Mm. It's going to be called something else, which is, I'm not, I can't just give it away just yet. Okay. But the parties will be relaunched and the record label. Again, the, the label will be relaunched as well with the same name. It will have, a, it does have the word Jack in it, but it's okay. not the Jackathon. <laughs> it's sort of building. like, because like if you think about it, all these kids who've been locked up, like they don't know who I am. They have no freaking clue who the hell I am. Like they they they're like fourteen, thirteen maybe when you know I started. Maybe even less than that when I started the parties. And then when I stopped the parties, 
then, you know, like you just think about it, you think about the age dynamic of who, you know, like who even knows who you are sometimes. Like I don't make music. So therefore, you know, people know me from, because I've been, I'm like a piece of furniture. I've been, been an old piece of furniture. I've been, I'm like a DJ. I'm like a DJ, DJ? I don't know, does that make any sense? I don't know. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it you know, like, like Ben UFO doesn't make any music. I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to Ben in any way because he's 10 times better than me. But, you know, um, you know, it's just like, you know, yeah, I, I have to have other ways to have an outlet. And I, I always love to push other people and other people's music. So um, that's what I'm, I'm good at it. You know, I'm, I know how to do it well. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of keep with the concept of having somebody who I respect, who's maybe my elder or, you know, somebody on the same level as me and then somebody younger that people don't know or need, need to know, you know, keep it like smaller and then see what happens, you know? I mean, it, that's how it started. It started small and it grew into like, you know, tents full of 20,000 people. And I was like, it's like, okay, this is crazy. And then that's when the politics start happening. And then there's like, everybody got a manager and then everybody got a, they had to go through 20,000 people to talk to my friend who I just wanted to book, you know? And it was like, it all got a little bit too, too business-like. It is, it is like that now, but now I know what to expect. It was, ha- it just happened, unfortunately happened during like, you know, towards the end of the Jackathon where everything got a little bit too, too political, political, if that makes any sense. And money, mm-hmm. money, or, money orientated, very, very money orientated. And um, yeah, that's not what I was about. You know, I've never really been about that. It's more about, it's like, if, if you're good, then I shall book you. <laughs> no. if you, you make have the music, skills, you get booked. Well, <laughs> under, in, in my eyes, maybe in my <laughs> eyes, you know, but oh, my eyes aren't every, everybody else's eyes, but I think I have pretty good taste. You know, I've been doing it for a long time. So, and uh, also to cater to all different genres of music, you know, it's not going to be one thing like the label, my, you know, the Jackathon Jams label wasn't ever the same type of music all the time I always I'd have somebody and then I'd have a different remixer come somebody who plays some does something totally different to remix it you know and like so each DJ who plays like say say they play hard techno or they play like house music or they play disco or they play whatever they there will be something on that record for everybody to have a go go at you know like mm-hmm. cater to everyone it's a it's a good a good good way to be you know, not to be I mean, I, I get it. If you're a one trick pony, then that's cool. But you know, I, I, I'm not, I've got a lot of tricks up my sleeve. So. Cool. And I'm very excited to see the tricks slowly leave the sleeve. And the <laughs> yeah. progresses. I, I mean, I can't see, I don't know if I can say the name because the <laughs> name, we're still working on the name. We're working on it because we're, we're not sure if it's already been used yet, you know, so we're, we're trying to not use, but it, like, you know, I don't want to, you know, copyright infringements and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So. People are ruthless about that. So yeah, I, I do not blame you. It's okay. I've been okay. down that road before. Cool. Um, well, I mean, that's awesome. And I'm looking forward to this whole new phase of party and labels, you know, for, for the young kids who, who are just and the old kids don't worry i'm good at bringing i'm good at bringing out the the older people too who have kids and with their kids they can bring their own kids you know what i mean it's like 
bring your kids to the party too. <laughs> sort of like, if you want to. I mean, like some of my friends have children that are like old enough to go out to raves. They bring, <laughs> it's hilarious, you know? I have a lot of older friends. So yeah, their kids are are, are asking, like the, my like my friends are asking me to put their children on my guest list. And it makes me feel very old. <laughs> and I'm like, this is weird, but cool. I'm like, but you know, they, they come up to me at the end of the night and they're like, hi, hi, I'm so-and-so's kid. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, well, I remember when you were this big. (laughs) I remember when you were an embryo. Yeah. Um, All right, cool. I mean, so all we have next is the speed round. If you're ready to dive into that. You ready? Ready. All right, cool. Um, So the first one is Elvis or the Beatles? Elvis. Uh, Sitcoms or stand-up? Sitcoms. Okay, this is what I wrote while we were talking because I thought it would be funny. Trance or disco? Disco. <laughs> I like disco. Don't give don't, Please don't make this like me hating on disco. I like disco a lot. I just don't know how to play it. You know, I'm not okay. like, knowledgeable enough for it. Yeah. But you hate trance, right? I can't stand it. No. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> um. What even, is your, if you're like, even if you're a cool, awesome, cool techno DJ and you still you play a trance record in there, you're dead to me. I'm just, kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. By the way, every, anybody who's watching, I joke a lot. So please don't take everything I say literally because I know this generation like to take everything that somebody says word for word, but no, I'm a jokester. <laughs> you listen to a radio show, you would know. Um, exactly. Um, what is your raving pet peeve? What's my raving pet peeve? Yeah. What, what, as a DJ or as a raver? Whichever, whichever. Gotta be a little bit more specific with this question. (laughs) I guess let's do the DJ side. How about the DJ side? A pet peeve for me? Mm -hmm. A shitty fucking sound system. (laughs) Oh God. If you have terrible monitors, like and not enough champagne, then like I'm out of there. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Contract is broken. For, no, no, it's like, it's like it has to be. The sound has to be right. Though the lights have to be right, actually, too. Like the lighting, if it's too bright, like I can't handle. I can't handle that. I always have. I always talk to the sound guy and the lighting guy. We have a little chit chat. I'm like dark, red strobe smoke machine. That's it. I don't want to see anybody's faces. I just wanted to be like, oh, I want to be like a warehouse rave all the time. So yeah. Classic. All, dark always, and dirty. Dark always, and dirty. Always appreciate it. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. Even though I haven't really been drinking it because of lockdown, I saw, I've been drinking decaf because I was starting to climb up the walls, literally, like no joke. So, But now I'm, I've had a few coffees and when I do, my 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 partner he can always he's always like whoa like you don't need to drink coffee <laughs> at all you've got enough energy but yeah coffee um biggie or tupac biggie dogs or cats dogs ramen or pho what ramen or pho Robin or pho? What's that? Ramen, like the noodle soup. Oh, ramen or pho? <laughs> pho. What's pho? You're not even pronouncing it right. Ramen, all the way, baby. Um, P 
Pizza or sandwiches? Pizza. Club or festival? Club. Snow or beach? Oh my god, fucking beach. That's why I moved away from Canada. <laughs> Kidding me? Uh lake. No up to here. Like, no, thank you. Uh lake or ocean? Ocean. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, to, to speak a million, to speak every language. The gift of tongues. That's what it's the gift of tongues, yes. I'd be able to, to ha- make jokes with everybody all over the world. <laughs> They'd understand my joke, my humor. You know what I mean? That's that, that would be a very special gift for sure. Um, oh, yeah, especially in my job. <laughs> oh, God, for sure. Uh, analog or digital? Analog. Uh, house or techno? Both. Drum and bass or trap? Drum and bass for shiz. Drum and bass. <laughs> I love me some drum and bass. Uh, pop or hip hop? Hip hop. Well, both. I don't know. I can't. I can say, I don't know. I like them both a lot. So depends on what, pop, what kind of pop music we're talking about here. 80s, 90s, what, like what era? Era is good. We can see you got, you got to, but I'll say, I'll say hip hop. All right. Old hip hop. Old hip hop. Old hip hop. Um, favorite color. Mine. Mm-hmm. Ooh, green. Mine too. Uh, Eric Prides or Carl Cox. Carl Cox. Flip flops. By like a million. <laughs> by like a million percent. Carl Cox. Uh, flip flops or shoes. Mm, shoes. Uh, do you like pineapple on pizza? Absolutely not. That's sacrilegious. <laughs> My mom's Italian. Are you kidding me? Like, come on. Um, finish the sentence. Before I die, I want to... Learn how to speak every language in the world. All right. Uh, what's your guilty pleasure TV show? Oh, my God. What's my guilty pleasure? Oh, um, if you call it a guilty pleasure... Um, it's like something uh, is modern family. I don't know. I love it. I just always watch it. It makes me laugh all the time. Awesome. So, is, I don't know if that's that a guilty pleasure. I don't know. Hmm. I got a lot of guilty pleasures. <laughs> I do. I have a lot of guilty pleasures. Seinfeld. Uh, I don't know. Like, like I don't know. I, I'm a sitcom girl all the way. Like, I mean, I grew up on sitcoms. Hello child of the 90s over here so i mean i'm so i'm the same way i've watched like scrubs and how i met your mother and all those shows like three four times all the way through you're 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 a different generation than me that's why you know what i mean uh well that was the final question of the speed round so that is the conclusion my guilty pleasure yeah wait i can't so much wait no wait what what was was the last question the guilty pleasure tv show that was oh, the last TV question. show it was a TV show, right? I feel like I'm I feel like I'm gonna think about this now for the rest of the night. I'm gonna be so angry that I answered Modern Family. <laughs> I'm gonna be really pissed about that. Damn it! Oh, I know what it is. What is it? Oh, I know exactly what it is. It's called um, Border Control, Border Force Control, or something. It's like why can't I remember the name? Oh my god, I'm like losing it. It's basically like when they trap, they catch people with drugs. Like drug smugglers or people trying to smuggle shit into Australia and, and like, yeah, yeah. Specifically Australia. 
it's the Australian border. It's it's mostly Australia because they're the toughest border to get anything through. Like you can't, mm. I mean, and they catch people with like, holy shit, the concealment of drugs that I've seen. Like, I'm like, it's unbelievable. Like, <laughs> I mean, I will actually, I will, yeah, that's my guilty pleasure is that show for sure. I love, I've seen, I've seen every single one, like a million times. I love it. I'm like, he's carrying 90 pellets of heroin in his stomach. And my boyfriend is just like, how do you know that? I'm like, I watched it. <laughs> you know that. He's gonna have to shit those out, and they're gonna catch him, and he's gonna go to prison. Their their jail sentences in Australia are really small too. Mm-hmm. You get caught smug- smuggling like ninety pellets of heroin in your body. You only go to prison for seven years. I'm like, what? If you're in America, that's it. You'd be you'd be like, that's like 40, 50, 60, 70 years for sure. So it's a, it's more than seven. That's for sure. Definitely more than seven. More than seven. That's for God, you slap somebody in America seven years. That's it. Prison for seven years. Depending on the color. Canada, Canada, they just say sorry like to you like a million times. They're like, I'm so sorry about that. And then they, then they just shake hands and walk away. Just, you know. Take take your drugs and have fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my God, I want more of these questions. These are good questions. I like them. I thought you were going to ask me a question about my about my favorite track. Slam positive education. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's slam positive education and uh, and Carl Craig's at Les. Um, that first album, more songs about food and revolutionary art, is was one of my intros into dance music because Richie gave me a stack of CDs and Carl. It was like all his Plastic Man stuff, and then it was like Carl's Carl's stuff was 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 in there as well. So that's how I got turned on to it. It's beautiful. That's like a beautiful, gorgeous, like for me, it's like what Detroit looks like at night is at last by Carl Craig. Anything by Carl Craig is, is for me the best. It's been quite the pleasure chatting with you, Heidi. Oh, you too, man. Absolutely.